Hey guys, ladies and gents, welcome. Charlie Tate here with Tater Thoughts, kicking off another Queen Deep Dive. You guys, it has been a day and a half. I'm not going to go into details. I'll spare you. But needless to say, I am so stoked to be here talking about a number in Queen's catalog that I suppose it isn't entirely unique. We've had elements like this song before, and I'll talk about those numbers that this song evokes and reminds me of previous numbers we've enjoyed from our favorite boys. But today it's all Dreamer's Ball. This is track number nine on Queen's seventh album, Jazz, released in 1978. And this is dive number 76, if you're still counting. I feel like the number is kind of irrelevant. But every once in a while, there's a number that fits perfectly, like when Fat Bottom Girls was number 69. (laughs) You know, every once in a while, I see that number next to the track name, and I'm like, that is perfection. That is fantastic right there. But today, yep, it's all Dreamer's Ball and Dr. Brian May, our favorite guitarist, astrophysicist. This is one of his contributions to the album Jazz, and it's all bluesy, jazzy, rock throwback. Think 1930s. In fact, this is probably the closest the guys get to actual jazz on their jazz album. And of course, we'll go into great startling detail. You guys know me. I never, uh, what's the phrase? (laughs) I don't know why, but I was thinking spared no expense from Jurassic Park. And that is not what I wanted to say. But spare no details. No, that's not right either. Oh my gosh, you guys. See, this is my brain today. It's been a total day. I cannot even talk correctly. I cannot even think straight. It doesn't matter. Thank goodness I have some notes to guide me along. We are at 92 beats per minute, so quite relaxed, in a 4-4 shuffle beat. And the interesting thing about the key, we're in one key. It's A flat major, but it was transcribed in A major. And there is a very big, obvious reason for that. Of course, I'll talk about it, you know. And Dreamer's Ball is a lost love rekindled, if only in a dream. Do you guys remember that song from Debbie Gibson? As real as it may seem, it was only in my dreams. You guys remember that? What a great tune. I was just listening to that a few weeks ago in the car. Great rock out track. All right, back to the guys, back to Dreamer's Ball. This is a very special jazzy number surprisingly entertaining and unforgettable, really. Even though this isn't loud, it's not rock, we are nothing like Let Me Entertain You or Dead on Time. This is yet another stylistic departure for the boys on jazz. And of course, we had a lot of this with News of the World. We had a lot of this with Sheer Heart Attack, especially those albums very heavy on the versatility of the guys, even A Night at the Opera. I mean, really, okay, I I could just name 
pretty much every Queen album and say they've all been diverse. But really what we have here is the guys, I think, being more restrained in ways that's quite surprising. And they're very successful in doing so. Dreamer's Ball is one of those numbers. Just when you think you've heard it all from the boys, we get this performance hall song complete with crooning oohs and soulful guitars, shuffling beats, and a very playful Freddie, kind of a dreamy Freddie delivery here. And there's augmented and diminished chords scattered throughout. So this is anything but ordinary, even though it has quite a cyclic structure. There's a lot of repetition of phrases, but there's just enough variation in each of those deliveries of those phrases to be so interesting. And unlike our previous number with John on various guitars, you guys remember in only seven days, we had John on acoustic and a little electric. It's Brian here who takes all the strings, providing both acoustic and electric, but this is his number, so it makes total sense. It's quite a layered lineup, too. The guitars, once again, sound a bit like horns in their rich and buttery deliveries. In fact, they're perfectly singable here, another voice altogether. Roger shuffles along in restrained fashion, surprisingly so, symbols aplenty, but of course the occasional snap of a snare and those fills remind us he still got it. Freddie is all snazzy jazz and fabulous falsettos as well as playful sass. I think it's a performance just camp enough to fit perfectly and Freddie sounds right at home. This is a little bit of a nod to his vaudeville-like numbers. We have some of that attitude going on here. John, though he's often simply on the beat, provides those surprising licks and rolls in his supportive lower frequencies. And a chorus of oohs, almost a constant presence throughout phrases, is something we seldom, if ever, get from Queen. I mean, yeah, we're used to really loud, bombastic harmonies from the guys vocally. But it's much more restrained here. And there's an interesting arrangement among the backing vocals as well. And we'll talk about that. The guys give us all the accents of glissandos, crashes and rolls that continue to surprise and impress. They just know how to make it work. All of this pleasantness makes this such an easy and enjoyable listen. I love Dreamer's Ball. You guys know a lot of times I can't even restrain my enthusiasm until the end of a dive because I love a song that much. And I love this song. And it wasn't always that way. I've talked about how songs sometimes surprise me later. They creep up on me. I suddenly realize just how miraculous and awesome they are. In fact, Somebody to Love is one of those songs that, yes, I loved it, but it wasn't like I was this fanatical fan about it. But going through some of these dives, or sometimes it's, it's a live performance that turns me on to a song so much, going through these dives and experiencing all these facets of all of these songs, some of them have early acoustic takes or demo cuts that are absolutely mind-blowing. Going through all of those things makes me appreciate these all the more almost across the board. And yeah, there's the occasional, wow, I simply cannot love this song any more than I do now. And Dreamer's Ball, I love it not because of this dive necessarily, but I'll talk about why I have such a fondness for this song because 
It has to do with the live performance. And I'm going to talk about that now. This was, I think, a live favorite because the boys would enjoy a little nonsense, as Brian would sometimes say. 78 performances in only 78 and 79. So this was yet another song they dropped once the game was released in 1980. But this was a rare moment of some levity, silliness, and a more intimate interaction with the audience because the boys would perform at the front of the stage next to each other on the lowered platform as an acoustic lineup. This often kicked off several songs on the set list performed in this more acoustic arrangement. And it was played in A major rather than A flat, hence that transcription in the former, right? So it's, it's really interesting that they would sometimes play songs in a slightly different key. They did this with Love of My Life, right? So I think it just depended on how it was being done, who was singing, because there was a difference with this song from album to stage, and I'm going to go into that in more detail here. A smaller drum kit was at the ready for Raj to jump on it on this lowered platform, and Brian would bring out his acoustic guitar. The boys would proceed to sing a very harmony-rich version with Roger and Brian imitating high and low brass in the bridge, respectively. I absolutely love this. It's a throwback to Roger and Freddie's imitation of brass and winds in Seaside Rendezvous. So in that song, Roger would imitate brass and Freddie would imitate woodwinds. So I absolutely adore this live performance. It feels more collaborative. And I think because of their shared harmony vocals, that's why. Because on the record, you have a different vocal lineup with the guys. And there's a difference of Freddie is singing the lyrics in the chorus, but you simply have these backing ooh harmonies behind him. You don't have two other guys singing the lyrics with him in these harmonies. So here it just feels more interactive. It feels more collaborative. It feels more, as I said, kind of intimate and sparse, but it makes it so cute and magical. It makes me smile. I want to pinch their cheeks when I listen to this live. And bonus, you guys, there's an early acoustic take of this song. It's it's decidedly slower. It's softer, very heavy on that glittering percussion and an absolutely stunning falsetto dominated performance from Freddie. There's such a pureness to his tone, especially in that early acoustic take. A breezy delivery from all the boys and some particularly shiny cymbals from Raj. No heavy kick, no toms. This is all bright and brushed. And actually, Roger's lithe percussion almost steals the show in that early acoustic take. If I'm honest, I definitely love the drums in that version. And it's funny that You know, ordinarily, I love it when Roger goes to town on his drums and gives us heavy riffs, rolls, fills, all of that and more, all that jazz, right? I I love it when he gives us more, more, more. But here it's so restrained and delicate and calculated and perfection and glittery. 
and shiny. I just, I love his approach. He's so good at knowing how to play any style ever. But I definitely love that early acoustic take. And honestly, you guys, these live versions of this song, I think the first time I heard it was after I got Live Killers and I listened to this and Brian introduces it as a little nonsense now. The guys have such a blast with this. You hear them doing things like, (laughs) and they start coming in subtly. Roger in the back. Yeah. I love it. I love the playfulness, the enthusiasm. And as the guys go into that bridge where Freddie, Brian, and Roger improvise these vocalizations, and Brian and Roger sound like, again, low brass and high brass, respectively. It is the coolest, funnest thing. You know? And then Roger comes in. (laughs) They're so much better at it than I am. But this is such a throwback to what they did in Seaside Rendezvous all those years ago on a night at the opera. I absolutely love this number live. It's one of my favorites, actually, especially on Live Killers. I've listened to all of those songs quite often, but that number on that album, for some reason, this song, it's so, again, I just want to, I wish I could go back in time and be at the very front of the stage and watch them do this and just sit there and put my head on my hands and just be like, ah, (laughs) I love it. I love this number live. It's almost better live, really, because the album version, as awesome as it is, innovative, cool as it is, as well done as it's performed, it does feel quite sad. It's dreamy, but it's kind of sad and sinking. But when you listen to it live, because it's a little nonsense now and it's fun and the guys clearly have a good time, there's a different atmosphere around it, which I almost kind of prefer. But Dreamers Ball Live is a whole other thing. You got to check it out. This is actually Brian's tribute to Elvis, who died the year before in 77. So it's interesting to think about it in that context. I didn't even know that until just recently. All the things I knew about this song and its performances, and I never knew why Brian wrote this. But if you close your eyes, I can imagine Elvis singing this, absolutely. When you think about Elvis's very slow, relaxed ballads, and he had such an incredible range, this is something he could have crooned, right? So. It's very fitting. And on the album, only Brian and Freddie provide the backing, soothing, sweeping ooze and harmonies. There is no Roger in those backing vocals on the album cut. I love it when that happens because most of the time when we have backing vocals, it's a wall of Brian's, Freddie's, and Roger's multiple times over. We get all three of them singing each line multiple times. But here, Brian and Freddie, it's just the two boys. And I always go there. I always wonder, is it because Roger wasn't available? Is it because somebody said, no, you're not doing this? 
the ins and outs, the inner workings of Queen. I would love to know more. No band critique on this song, though. I couldn't find any comments about it. I mean, save Brian's comment that it's a little nonsense live. There's nothing I could find that speaks to the creation of the song, its structure, the style. Real, Really a shame, but I wouldn't be surprised if I missed something in an interview of a video interview. I wouldn't be surprised. But I do have a little bit of critique. <laughs> so Mitchell Cohen of Cream, yeah. He called this, quote, extravagantly condescending jazz blues, unquote, and a little later in his same article about the jazz album, quote, the only song that even approximates the LP's title, unquote. What's wrong with that? <laughs> that was one of the things Queen was so heavily criticized for with this album in particular. They called it jazz and everybody was like, but this isn't jazz. <laughs> but if we go back to especially Roger's talking about that word, jazz. It's not just a style of play. It's an attitude. That's what they were capturing. The, the free flow, the fun of it. Fun it. We're going to talk about that later. That's what they were trying to capture. They weren't talking about just a sound. So just the narrow-mindedness of these critics going after them that way. It still bugs me. But anyway, there is praise for this song. It's called Clever and Unique by fans. And one commented, one fan commented that even though they aren't the biggest Queen fan, they kept coming back to songs like this one because, quote, these guys could write these brilliant but maudlin tunes perfectly. So even someone who's not a massive fanatical fan like yours truly, could come back and listen to something like this because it is so unique and well done. Honestly, let's talk about Dreamer's Ball. And let's get all granular and detailed because that's what I do. Opening with incredibly jazzy, muted electric guitar layers in three-part harmonies surrounding us. The guys love to surround us. These guitars, these harmonies, sound and feel almost deflated, and we'll soon understand why. John and Brian take us into the verse instrumentally on bass and acoustic guitar, respectively, and Freddie, all somber and dimmed. <sighs> Seriously, you guys, I'm going to have to sing these lyrics and really sang them because this is kind of jazzy. And it's one of my favorite things to sing. I don't know why, but I do love digging into this one. Used to be your baby, used to be your pride and joy. The boys creep along, subtle, delicate, lots of chromatic arrangements, a hallmark of many a jazz song. I absolutely love John's glissandos here. So quiet, but can you hear them? He hits quite a few fifths and falls down to the tonic. A magical and simple but affecting and accenting technique. It momentarily grabs our attention against Brian's lazy and breezy acoustic. Ooh, you guys. But now you found another partner. You left me like a broken toy. Suddenly, 
Brian's Red Special appears again and a variation of the intro chords. Throughout these verses, we get a wonderful layering of basic chords against passing ones, which adds so much color and interest. And at the end, there's a wonderful snap of those acoustic on a high treble chord. It rings out before the drums kick in, literally. The second verse repeats the same chord arrangement with Brian's additional electric guitar chords. It's almost like there's another voice here. Roger's shuffling percussion, as basic as it sounds, you have to remember everything else he's played, all the styles he's gone into headfirst. There's nothing this guy can't play. Symbols. <laughs> John continues gliding on those bass transitions. If I can't have you when I'm waking, I'll go to sleep and dream I'm with you. Oh, take me, take me, take me to the dreamer's ball. This is so charming, really. The arrangement, Freddie's delivery. Time to talk about Freddie. This is Brian's song, but Freddie's delivery is so important. His voice here is all pureness and clear, and yes, it's kind of sad. There's a silver lining of hope and optimism, but I love where he takes this number with so many genuine expressions. Such a comfortable range, too. I love singing this. It's, it's so wonderful, if that wasn't obvious. The ooze from Brian and Freddie, they make this chorus so lovely. Rounded, perfectly accenting the swells of phrases. I'll be right on time, and I'll dress so fine. <laughs> Love it. Brian fills the gaps with clever riffs in between those phrases. Take me, take me, promise not to wake me till it's morning. I love these vocals here from everyone. Such a throwback, flawlessly done. How dare anyone call this a horrible attempt at this jive? It's perfection. The way those accidentals and chromatic shifts in Notes keep us hanging on into the solo. This arrangement is the same, but we get some playful improvised vocals from Freddie and Brian takes his lyrical playing to jazzy new heights here. Ah, I love it. It's a little grittier than the earlier layers of harmonies, but those harmonies are soon back in that crescendo that wraps us up into the next phrase. More oohs come in. You make my life worthwhile with the slightest smile or destroy me with a barely perceptible whisper. Okay, now I have to say, I swear, Roger is in there in those high harmonies. I swear, during that slightest smile, his distinctive raspier tone Am I imagining things? Maybe I want him to be there. I just love his voice. Regardless, the way these vocals sway and how sweetly they're sung, I love them. And those lyrics are simply divine. Destroy me with a barely perceptible whisper. Coming from Freddie, so intense, right? We're so used to him often being in our face, but he's sweeter here. One more round of a solo that leads us into the outro. Roger jams on those cymbals on every downbeat. John has some fun on that bass. More notes, more movement. Brian's bold, jazzy guitars are in our face and our ears, soulful, aching. 
one more time. You meet me at the Dreamer's Ball. I'll meet you at the Dreamer's Ball. This outro, so many things happen in perfect form, executed right on target. There's a lovely drum riff and a bongo or a tom hit right before Freddie begins his playful falsetto down the scale. That acoustic arpeggio, a chorus of oohs, a hi-hat flash of perfection, and a guitar lick that's softly sassy as it fades out. All of these elements remind us that Queen's attention to detail is one of the reasons they were so good at everything they recorded. Dreamers Ball. I, I don't know what else to say about it. I, I, I feel like I say this a lot, but the reason I do is because they are so consistently fantastic at this. It's another one-off of style that is marvelous. It's marvelous, darling. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's entertaining. It's relaxing. It's kind of fun in the right context. And the best part is they're just so good at it. When you listen to this and pick apart every piece, every element that makes this what it is, not just the instruments that are played and how they're played, but the arrangement of everything, the accents of everything. This is one of those songs that is fantastic to really pay attention to how everything is balanced. And I'm not talking about the sound volumes. I'm talking about how you have a trade-off of a cymbal here, a guitar lick here, a vocal here, a bass glissando here. Everything is filled right where it should be. And there is still empty space where there should be. People forget that there's an important place for silence in a song. And these songs like this that are much more restrained, not just in Queen's catalog, but from anyone, I think that emphasizes the importance of the pause, of the breath in the music, not just in the words. Makes me think about the way I write. Because guys, I am all about overproduction. <laughs> it is a sickness. It's terrible. It's an addiction. I'm working on that. But anyway, Dreamer's Ball, Queen. A lovely number. One of my favorites off of their Live Killers album, and certainly one of my favorites from that entire period of touring. I definitely love this number, and I wish they'd played it more. I wish it hadn't dropped off the set list. You know, I get it. You have bigger hits. You have so much you want to include on that set list. Everybody wants to hear the hits. Everybody wants to hear this and that. And so it's difficult to keep playing these numbers that as gorgeous and innovative as they are, you just can't do it. You would have a three hour long concert if you did that. Not that I would complain, but anyway, check out Live Dreamers Ball. I will link to at least one <laughs> and enjoy. I'll be back next time, guys. I hope you're having a great day. Keep yourselves alive. And next time, it'll be another Queen Deep Dive. I promise. <laughs>